It's the official Scottish Rugby podcast with Caroline and Chris. And this week we are, well, we're, we're back at Scottish Gas Murrayfield, unfortunately, but we are back at Scottish Gas Murrayfield, where we're joined by rugby journalist uh, Gary Heatley. I think we just go straight to it, don't we? We are back uh, in Scotland, uh, and that obviously means that that journey for the Rugby World Cup for Scotland has come to an end. We've had a few days to digest that game. Where are we, where are we sitting now, Chaps? Yeah, it's still disappointing, isn't it? It's really disappointing. It's... Um I think because how long you have together and how long the the build up towards the Rugby World Cup is in terms of you know yeah the four years and trying to get over the disappointment of the, the previous one and then the the kind of more immediate build up we've you go through the summer and the the, the build up tests and then all the training and um, listen we're, we're probably in a situation where most people thought you'd be na- you know narrowly missing out on, on on qualification because you're playing the, the first and second best team in the world. But there's probably a disappointment at, at how we probably exited in terms of not being able to deal with with Ireland's power. Um, I thought Ireland were brilliant. Um, listen, if, again, if you if we lost the game ten nine, you're in the same position. You're you're still you're still going home. But Ireland were just so dominant, even before they scored the tries. It, it's it, it shows how how good a side they are, um, and and how good sides nullify and stop you playing like it's no it, it's no coincidence that you know against South Africa and against Ireland we've we've not looked anywhere near our best that's because the sides you're playing against are excellent there's some good bits in it I thought we did move Ireland around reasonably well I know there's a, a narrative around playing too wide to wide but I, I still believe the way Scotland try to play is the way that gives Scotland the best opportunity to win it has to be more accurate perhaps we'd have a little bit more variety um, but the times, most of the time we got turned over or run out of troubles when we went up the middle rather than to the edge. We actually respected position quite well on the edge. So, uh, And I got that from a second viewing of it. So Was it more a case then, I suppose, of not being able to execute our game plan ultimately? Well, Ireland defence. Yeah. Ireland defence as well. I think the Ireland defence is excellent. And listen, you're not going to get every decision right. Uh, the game, like our lump, is, is a, a determined a lot by physicality now. And, uh, and Ireland have a, a bigger pack, a more powerful pack, um, that really got, got a grip of the game. The, the stats I had looked before, territory and possession are almost 50-50. Yeah. They're 49-51, I think, on, on territory in our favour. Uh, I think it was 48-52 on, on possession. But they're so clinical. And, and it looks as if what they do is really simple, and it's not. They're so effective. They're so ruthless. Um, and it's something that we have to we have to try and match and overcome perhaps add little bits to their game between now and Six Nations um, to try and nullify that because the the, the best teams in the world are, are pretty tough to knock off. Were, yeah, you, were yeah. you sitting behind a pillow yourself? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there's obviously, you know, any game disappointing to lose a try so early on, but, you know, yeah. we then had, you mentioned about being clinical, I think it was 18 phases Scotland yeah. had and obviously a couple of chances perhaps to kick, you know, but yeah. the 18 phases just kept getting repelled and then they went back up again and scored. So as you yeah. say, it's just that ruthlessness. I think, I think everybody kind of watching at that point knew that was a really significant part point of the game. game. And I think it was t- 10, 12 minutes or 12, 13 minutes in. And it was really significant because we'd actually, early tries at that, this is going to sound ridiculous, they're not ideal, but quite often for a, a favourite in the match to score as quickly and as, as early as that backfires. We saw it here against the All Blacks a couple of years ago, the two tries Absolutely. within two minutes. 
and whether it's subconscious, whether it's subconscious for the fans, oh yeah, we're, we're you know we're, we're world's best team, we're, we're going to win. So how we responded to that, I thought was was good in terms of how we played, but we never got the we never broken down. We couldn't break them down. The penalties, the the first one I could understand us going to the corner. It was 45, 46 meters out. Mm. Thereafter, and we actually attacked reasonably well of it until until the end of that phase. The the penalty or so. Two or three minutes after that, I would I would have kicked it. Would have kicked it, yeah. And, and it's easy hindsight, isn't it? But it actually, is. It is. And I think we'd had an opportunity and hadn't scored. And, and even we things like Sexton had missed his first conversion, so mm. it was only five nil mm. and five three. If you if we did get one, now the other thing, and I used to always say this and I continue to say it, you don't get the three points for opting to kick the no. goal. You have to kick the goal. And the second one was it was on the fifteen back towards the ten meter line, so it's a decent decent strike. You don't get three points for opening. You have to kick mm. it. But the way Finn's kicked, uh, uh, the goal kickers have been have been exceptional. He's been exceptional all year. You, you expect him to make it to kick it. So five three sows a seed of scoreboard pressure in your position as well. And if you kick the first penalty, the game doesn't follow its trend. So you know, for us to say we would be six five up if we'd kick yeah, penalties, it, it yeah. probably wouldn't go like that. But there would be an element of pressure back on them. Yeah, and I guess you know. Not many people mentioned, but you know we did lose Blair Kinghorn and our captain yeah, in the first. Yeah. You know, which for any team is yeah. a bit, it's two big players to lose. You know, which and so did they. Yeah, you know, Ringrose was on the wing after twenty odd minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gibson Park was on the other wing yeah. after half time, and and I think like that's something we overlook at how good our squads are. Both squads, like the game didn't suffer for it mm. really in terms of a contest and what you've got and and the quality and the depth you have. But yeah, Blair's, I think he's been. Since the summer, he's been outstanding, and it, on his fiftieth cap as well. It's you know, so disappointing. You saw it on his face as well. Yeah. What that what that experience was. It must have been. A, I, I think that's a really important point as well. There there are twenty three human beings that were involved in that on the day, and and so from from that perspective, um, the, the commitment that went into trying to get this win was never up for question in any way shape or form so how as a player when you've put so much into it when you've put so much training preparation you've run a world cup as best you can in the pool that you're in how do you recover from a loss like that and we did hear from Sione to yeah. saying he doesn't quite know actually well that, that's it it's for for all the the harsh it's sport that's it but like you can't dress it up you can throw science at it you can throw funding at it but it's sport it doesn't do Quite often, like what, what it's meant to do, <laughs> what it, it, doesn't give you, it doesn't it doesn't give you fairy <laughs> yeah. tales. It, sometimes it, you know, it, it's hard. So it's all bits and pieces you have to deal with. And all the players there have will have probably felt emotions similar to that, but not as quite as intense. But you have to dust yourself down and get up and get on with it. It's it's what comes next is a challenge. And then I made this point. I was doing some stuff on the radio on Saturday night, and immediately after a, a match at like that, everybody feels gutted. Everybody feels deflated. I'm talking about fans, supporters, players, coaches, everybody. But I might be wrong in this, and I might be overly supportive of the players. I've been a player myself. It hurts longer as a for a player. Like you don't wake up on the Sunday, and it gets a wee bit easier. Or by the Monday, you go back to work, potentially as a supporter or a fan. It's like, oh, that was a bit annoying, and it dissipates a wee bit. As a player, it doesn't. It actually gets worse. Mm. The longer you're in, you week and, and you know, days after, weeks after, it still hurts worse when dare I say I think a lot of other people have forgotten and moved on so for players to it's hard like don't think they don't care of course they care of course it hurts but at some point you have to dust yourself down and get back in the saddle and 
get out and deliver the next performance. Yeah, and I think we saw that today. Um, you know, Finn and Cameron Path already back at Bath, so yeah. you know, I'm sure it'll be, as well, I think. you know, I'm sure, yeah, be, I'm sure it'll be very managed. But you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's for some guys they'll need a few days off, but other guys will just want to get straight back into. I it. would want to get into it right away. Well, that's but, the next question. I mean, the Six Nations <laughs> isn't until you know the turn of the year, oh. so I guess it's about managing that time, going back to your clubs and using your domestic game to to build for the next tournament. Yeah, like just through my experience, I would want to get in as quick as possible. Yeah, um, I think every player will be different in terms of number of game minutes the mm. many contacts physical that's the beauty of the some of the science behind your your gps and and telling you and all the testing you can do in your training to tell you how close to your peak performance or your average performance you are so there's some science to back up but in our day it was just yeah i'm ready to go and <laughs> probably weren't ready to go but there was no science to say you weren't so you had to get on with it um so i, I think most players will want to get back in it right away because in the way your mind works is you now need to deliver for your club. You now need to go into a, an environment where everybody else has been training for seven or eight or ten weeks with their calls, with their systems, with their structure. You might be moving to a new club and you're like, well, I have to get up and running right away. So, yes, absolutely players will need managed physically in terms of player load, and that's done quite scientifically. But I, I think, you know, if you can get back into playing... I think for most people, I think it's it's good to yeah. And I think on one of the exciting ones will be Ben Healy coming to Edinburgh. I mean, that's going to be a massive uh, change it? for that whole that whole team and the way they can play. Really. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and you know, Ben will have a lot to learn in terms mm. of the structure and strategies. A new club, it's new calls, it's a new coach. Yes. There's, you know, finding somewhere to live, and uh, <laughs> yes. you know, it's 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 big, but it's really exciting. And uh, he's a confident player. He's, he's a good player. Played well, obviously, against Romania. Um, that was his, his only start obviously in the World Cup he started against Italy in yeah. one of the mm-hmm. warm-up games and he got a little bit of time in maybe one of the other games but he hasn't started a game since potentially March with Munster he played mm. in the mm. towards the back end of URC coming off the bench in big important games for Munster but I'd imagine his mindset is new club new setup, desperate to play I'd imagine Cammy Scott and Charles Fowler's mindset is you're going to have to come in and earn this yeah, absolutely. because we're up and running and, and that's yeah, that's that's what you want. And we saw that against Bath. We see what's yeah. we see what's happening yeah. there. Mm-hmm. But that I mean, the the longest preseason in the history of <laughs> preseasons. But it it has obviously they have been working in the background, and and uh, we will come on to that in a minute. Before we leave uh, Rugby World Cup, um, in terms of the chat. So looking at the quarterfinals, you know, oh, unfortunately like we're not you get asked for a prediction. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Would I say prediction? <laughs> I would probably put them on the spot. Um, but we're looking at Wales, Argentina. We've got Ireland, New Zealand. We've got England, Fiji, and France, South Africa. I mean, talk about. I'm I'm quite happy with what we're looking. If we are regrettably not involved in terms of a fan watching rugby, that's that's your weekend sorted. Yeah, I mean, I think um, Wales and England will probably get through their their ties. Will be quite tight games, I think. But I think they should should get through those games, and then yeah, Ireland. Ireland, if they play the way they have been playing, mm-hmm. I think are still favourites. But it's funny that you've never really <laughs> heard a team like New Zealand go so far under the radar. It's unbelievable, you know, Incredible, four in the world it? and no yeah. one's really talking about them. So you know, that's still going to be a tough game. If Ireland can play how they did mm-hmm. against South Africa and against Scotland, they, sh- they should go through. And then they've got the hoodoo on the back as well, though. You know, and oh. a, a lot, a lot can be said of that. But ultimately, I also think on that, you know, it is like players are asked questions, coaches are asked questions in the media. We It's our job to ultimately build up a conversation and a narrative around sport. Uh, that, that's what it's about. But from the player's point of view, they're not thinking about the hoodoo, are they? 
No, I was just going to wait for Gary's fourth <laughs> prediction <laughs> and then Adam. France, 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 South Africa. Africa. Yeah, well, I was like, I'll set up my mind. Almost got away with it. <laughs> sounds, sounds like Dupont's back training, Aye. obviously, which was seemed always likely to happen. So yeah, I mean, yeah. you think France on, on home turf, but that is yeah, that is that's, that's you, very tough to call. Would you want to be playing like but if you've just had a broken cheekbone? I mean, I have broken my cheekbone. Yeah, it took a lot longer than that. Like, I was like, yeah. <laughs> but this is where we have to respect the medical professors that they're working on. They're not going to put them out there. Yeah. We know he broke his cheekbone or his eye socket. But I've played with players who've done the same or something similar, broken, and, and they've been back within weeks, quite or, or you know, short term. I arguably did mine properly. I had a triple fracture and I was out he for... He went to town. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but it was, you know, and written or reported as, you know, yeah, broken cheekbone, yeah, but there's, all different. sorts of different breaks of a cheekbone. Absolutely. And we have to trust the people who are working them every minute of every day, the surgeons that are looking after them, the doctors. If he's right and he's available, he'll want to play. If he's not right, if he's no fit, he won't play. Um, so then France, South Africa. Well, France, <laughs> I, uh, Who's gonna I, that, that's the toughest one for me to call, I think. Mm. Um, I think Ireland would be, well, might be, might be. <laughs> I, I think I Ireland I will beat know. New Zealand because... Yeah. This sounds ridiculous, but I think I think Ireland's power. Mm. I don't think New Zealand have the power they have in order to play a really physical game that Ireland will want it to be. I think if opposition like Italy or Uruguay allow a game that allows big ball and play time and you get high scores, New Zealand would wipe the floor with a lot of people. But I, th- I think that's only if they're allowed to play like that. And I don't think Ireland would be silly enough to let them play that. So I think Ireland's <laughs> power probably just edges them there. I think England will beat Fiji because Fiji look as if they've, they're picking up one or two knocks or they're running pretty low. Mm. That's the bit I was getting at a few weeks ago was that point of not necessarily for Scotland but more for that this is at the point where the strength and conditioning and the um, that uh, that yeah. experience starts to, there is fatigue there, there's injury, a lot of it has played into luck. What have you picked up? What have yeah. you gotten through the first yeah. round? Yeah, and it does look like Fiji... Just, I mean, look at the effort they've put in. It, it might be wrong, mm. but it just looked like Naifa Levu's picked up a knock, Radrada's picked up a knock. Big players. I mean, they, they might be okay if, if they play. It would be a great story, though. They, 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 they could do it, but I think I think they're probably there's probably more left in England's tank than in Fiji's, and we'll see. Mm. I think the journalist in you, Gary, must be must be thinking, wouldn't that be a great tale for Fiji well, to? If they lose to Portugal, then <laughs> England week <laughs> after, yeah, that would be. <laughs> I'm sure there'll be some interesting headlines about that. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I think you're probably right with Fiji. They look pretty... You just don't spent. know. We could be talking absolute things. And you know what held against us next <laughs> week at this time. <laughs> exactly. Just don't listen just to it after. Just, just, I mean, it was, you know, just, it was amazing to see Portugal play the way they played. Yeah. You know, that was just uh, just an amazing game. That really was, that was I, one I, of the best I games. I watching Portugal. And, and, and I know we'll get to come to the other two quarterfinals. <laughs> we'll come back to it because I held Gary to it. I'll hold myself. To it. But <laughs> Portugal playing at just a really expressive brand of rugby that it looks to me as if it's not overly reliant on structure or, or predetermined structure there's a brilliant individual skill set in terms of their footwork their, their willingness to play a quick brand of rugby their footwork their, their strength and mm. contact their ability to get over the top of the ball and retain possession they're just a real joy to watch and i think having seen a a, a developing nation or a tier two nation play like that with an element of success, it hopefully maybe opens our eyes to some of the tier one. You should say, actually, if that that could be a blueprint as to be successful as well with the tools that they have, rather than being overly structured or or you know 
prescribing how they play. But yeah, great to watch and a brilliant game to finish the, the pool stages. But they've given themselves a seat at the table and they've, yeah. they've in the route that, as you say, in the resources, I suppose, or the well, the footprint. Is Steve, Stevie much, you know, is mm. um, physio for for Edmund Scotland for a long, long time, good mate, and who's now involved uh, with Ireland, and he said Ireland went on a pre-season camp to Portugal and he said back then he said wow we've just had a run out a training session with Portugal mm. these guys are brilliant keep your eye on them watch them because all sorts of mayhem in terms of backline versus backline attack uh, so kind of had a heads up and he was right because right away as soon as they came in they, they did play a bit differently and I guess the big thing for Portugal now is to, to sort of keep it going beat, beat Georgia's dominance in the championship you know because mm. they've always been second or third in that yeah. last few years but the way they're playing and with there's rumours that the Georgian coach is leaving I know the Portuguese coach is leaving as well mm -hmm. so it's going to be interesting to see how those two teams yeah. progress really. So France, South Africa right. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll, we'll go Wales, Argentina first Right, okay. Uh, I think Wales probably win that Yeah. I think Wales are tough to beat uh, I think Argentina haven't really found their their dynamism or their, their flow. But I that's also a worry. I, listen, any of these mm. can go <laughs> yeah, either way. I know, right? They totally true, can, but if, if we press like Wales, really tough to beat, stay in the fight, take pride in being tough to beat, then maybe come out on top. And then France, South Africa, I would love France to win it um, because of the the effect it'll have on, well, Northern Hemisphere rugby, but the, the, the home tournament and the way France play. So, um, You've gone for all the Northern Four Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere uh, uh, So you've gone for Wales, Ireland, England and France. Mm -hmm. I think I was the same as well, so mm -hmm. maybe it's... Uh... Well, that would change <laughs> <laughs> for next week's pod. Anyway. Well, we shall move on. Uh, speaking speaking of, of South Africa, though, uh, Scotland women are now in South Africa, getting ready for WXV two. So, Gary, you are without a doubt the man to speak to about it. Have you had any contact with the camp so far? Yeah, we spoke to uh, Tyrone Holmes, the assistant coach, on Monday, and Lana Skeldon and Emma Orr, the two players, and uh, not jealous of them at all, sitting in Cape Town. And uh, <laughs> yeah, now you know, obviously coming into that tournament off the back of three wins, you know, it's the confidence is really high. I think, and I think Tyrone touched on it yesterday. The belief that they've taken from the, the Italy and Ireland wins in the Six Nations it's just gone through the roof compared to where it was, perhaps before that when they're on a bit of a losing run and losing a few tight games as well. So. You know, and there's real selection issues as well, which is, mm. if you look at the World Cup even a year ago, you know, mm. we could all probably sit here and pick the first 15, but now the bench is making a real impact and there's seven other players who won't be involved. So I think it's, yeah, it's, it's shaping up well. See, those three wins, because if you take three wins and the confidence the team got, the Wales game in Six Nations was really similar to that game, but we just didn't get over the line. Yeah. Or the, the, mm. the, so the similar to the Wales and the Italy game in the Six Nations, didn't quite get over the line. Do you think the team are playing much better now than they were when they were on the wrong side of the result by a score or two? Or is it just that that, that confidence that's behind them? Yeah, I don't think... You know, as you said, the Wales game was probably when they will, I yeah. thought should have won that. But then I think in the Italy game, you know, when you're on the back of 12 defeats yeah. in a row and they, in the second half, Italy came back yeah, and then there was a chat under the post at one point and mm. I think they really turned that around, which I think was... Key for some of the players, mm -hmm. the younger ones, to believe we can do this. You know, we can. So that that's so I think the momentum, the, the momentum shift, I think, was important. Yeah. You know, they, you know, let's be fair. The three wins are all at home as well. So yeah. going on the road to a trip like this, you know, is a is a different kettle of fish. But you know, the, from where they were a year ago to now, I think the squad's in a, you know in a good place. To play South Africa first up yes. on Friday night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which is, uh, you know, South Africa. I think have had the most warm up games out of any team because they've obviously 
been targeting this home event. Mm-hmm. Scotland haven't played them since 2019, which... Down there as well. We, we yeah, two, we're on two there, tests right? down there, but, you know, it's coaching changes, player changes since mm-hmm. then. I spoke to Lana about it yesterday. She'd hardly remember it. It's that long ago. So, you know, things have changed so much. <laughs> COVID, everything we've had since yeah. then. So, mm-hmm. so you know, she's not really taking too much stock on those two wins. And I think mm-hmm. they'll be a different fit, yeah, kettle of fish. But, you know, and be physical, but I think, you know, Scotland have got the, the players to match that as well now. But if you look as well at the Spain game at Hive Stadium, recently and that warm-up I guess what was interesting about that one is seeing what happens when you go down first if you know what I mean and, mm-hmm. and having having the opposition score a try in the first uh, first ones to cross the line and then uh, what was really interesting about that was seeing the current Scotland setup and seeing that didn't have any impact on confidence anything like that if anything it was a kickstart for them and that was really enjoyable to watch that type of mentality I suppose is where the where the step up comes when you're on on the road and yeah and I mean <laughs> you look at it you know obviously there's a lot of experience there but the young players that are stepping up, you know, like <coughs> Evie Gallagher, Francesca McGee, the two mm-hmm. centres, you know, Mel Smith and MR, just excellent, mm-hmm. 22 and 20, I think they are. Mm-hmm. You know, these players are coming in at that age now, not looking so phased, you know, because they're coming through probably a better system, they've been given a bit more support in the last couple of years. They're not phased by going behind now, I think, which mm-hmm. is, yeah, it's key. I go back to those wins last year, and that's what I mean. I think the team were playing as well then as they are now. They have probably added bits and pieces and gotten more confidence, but the confidence of being on the right side of a close result has has been the kind of final piece in the jigsaw to get you know more consistency and more momentum. But it will be tested on the on the road. We spoke to to Brian Eason last week, and he says you know give us a snapshot of South Africa, and he says well they're quite similar to the men's team that is based on physicality, and it will be confrontational. It will be kind of route one, dare I say, first. <laughs> but Scotland are in a, a they have a squad that can deal with that side of the game as well, can't they? Oh yeah, I mean you look at the the Spain game. I mean, Elwasso <coughs> on the bench. Yeah. Jay Conkle wasn't involved, and those two players have been on the team sheet for mm-hmm. you know the last five, six, seven, eight years. So you know there's different styles of players and different types that we can play now. And I think mm-hmm. it's but yeah on the road without a crowd, maybe a few travelling fans, but not as many as in the Hive Stadium. And so that will be a test of their mm-hmm. this momentum, this confidence. But I think um, I think they're all feeling pretty good about it. Yeah. You've covered Scotland women for for a long time and actually seen that evolution of the game. And as we were saying to Brian last on the last episode, it was he was talking about how the like the the selection meetings are taking longer now. The very point you've just raised. So looking on that journey, the evolution, three uncapped players in the current setup as well. It must be quite pleasing for you to have seen that journey as well. Yeah, and I think it's you know it's a journey in the last few years, but even in the last couple of years, you know, it's really been a massive thing from just to get to that World Cup and then from then on even just the trajectory since then has been been amazing really and uh, and the crowds that we're getting in the, the, the Six Nations as well. So, Do you think that's helped in um, terms of having, f- f- from the squad's perspective and seeing the narrative around Scotland women as well, the fact that Hive's a great day out and... I, I think so, yeah, and I think also just, although the World Cup they didn't win any games, I think they realised we deserve to be here. They could have beaten Wales, they could have beaten Australia. They didn't, but, you know, they had the chances to and I think... There's just a lot more belief in the, in the squad. And again, as Brian touched on after the Spain game, with most of your players being almost full-time now, you know, it does make a massive difference. Mm-hmm. You saw the fitness against Spain, which Spain don't have as much. So that is making a big change as well. There's now players fighting for a contract as well. So, And youngsters that are coming in, like Francesca Miggy, who just came in from almost from nowhere and now has now got the starting shirt. So, I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's just a really interesting place to be. And I suppose for some of the senior players, it's an interesting place to be as well because... Mm-hmm. They've probably been guaranteed their spot, whereas now it's, uh, well, you know, that but that can only raise the levels in training, I guess. You saw that with Lisa Thompson on the bench against mm. Spain, and it's great for her to, you know, to 
show the fight to get back in. I think you mentioned the World Cup as well, and I think it's really important that obviously didn't win a game, came back, but like I think being aware of how difficult it is to mm. win on the road, away, on mm. tour. In a World Cup. In a World Cup. You can't get unless you go, you can try and prepare for it. People will tell you how hard it is. So at that point, you come back and you take stock again as an individual, as a player, and you think, right, well, that wasn't good enough. Like, we, we really did well to get there, but like it wasn't good enough. We didn't win a game. So how are we going to make it different the next time round? And that's by more intensity and training. Yes, all the... Uh, the structural changes and the more professional was that all helps but you as an individual it, it, it opens your eyes to say actually well we weren't good enough we didn't win a game we could have but we didn't so therefore it has to change going forward so it gives you an inner drive and a realisation that no matter how hard you think it is it's probably going to be even harder in real life and hopefully having that experience behind them and the, and the, the structures and the confidence <coughs> of the wins we can uh, we can hopefully have a successful WXV too Yeah I, mean, I just thought there was a real sort of sea change you know Three defeats in the Six Nations, a six-day turnaround from France to Italy. Mm. You know, that's I think when people really showed their mm. showed their character there. Then in the Italy game, they were down at one point, I think, or just about back to level and looking on the back foot. You know, in the last ten minutes. So that game really was one I think that really turned things around. And you know, obviously they're playing teams at the minute who are in around them in the, the world rankings. I think Scotland are nine at the minute. If they, South Africa twelve. So if they can win this game, you know, the week after USA, who are the top rank of this tournament, seven in the world. You know, so it's, you know, it's really exciting. It's interesting that we were talking about this, I suppose, earlier, that Scotland men now have to wait four years for another global tournament. Scotland women went to mm. New Zealand and the Rugby World Cup, Cup is not the same as WXV2, but there is an opportunity to, I guess, have a run out at test level in a, yeah. in a global tournament. Uh, and three weekends in a row mm. against opposition that is unfamiliar in terms of Six Nations opposition can get more familiar yeah it's always test matches but it's relatively equal waiting yeah, as well though. yeah well and that makes it more mm. that, that, i think that makes it more pressure mm. like if you're in a mm. banding with the teams that are you know in the world rankings just either side of you there's an element of pressure there because you have to deliver you have to be on you know on par so um yeah i think i think i think it's a good thing um i think it'd be a good tournament i think getting a play that now we said Brian said last week they didn't have a future occurrence for this whether it was annually or, or biannually mm -hmm. or mm. obviously World Cups every four years but I think like we've seen in the men's World Cup with some of the, the tier two teams the, the more international tests you can get that are combative and competitive and the higher level you're exposed to the quicker you'll improve yeah no just it will be interesting to see this week how they you know, potentially, even though it's in South Africa's backyard, Scotland are going in as Favourite. as favourites for the game, mm -hmm. which is a different. You know, probably the last three tests against Ireland, Spain, and this one, Scotland have probably been favourites to go in. You know, that's a different mentality for them as well. And it, but this is this is different with them being away from home. So it's a big pressure, that isn't it? It's, well, it's exciting. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that test. Mm -hmm. And again, that goes back to the opportunity to being able to see the that test mm -hmm. taking place. Um, it will be it will be a very interesting. What a tournament that's going to be mm -hmm. as well. So starting off with. South Africa, and then the following week we're into USA and rounding proceedings off uh, with Japan. So very best wishes to Scotland women. Gary, thank you as always for popping in. We, could, uh, we, we always get a bit of insight. You're always on the phone to somebody in the squad. <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, I just uh, was covering the muscle game on Saturday, so I've just about dried out four days later. So oh. it was, uh, oh. My Scottish rugby colleague, Callum Johnson, helped me out there. To be fair How wet was, was it? 
Uh, very. <laughs> <laughs> still recovering. You still yeah. got a, still got a wee bit to go. Yeah, yeah. Thanks very much. For well, thank you very much indeed for coming in. And if you want to follow Scotland's progress, you can of course watch that game by registering with Rugby Pass TV, and that game will kick off at three thirty UK time on Friday. Until then, keep across Scottish Rugby's social media channels and ScottishRugby.org. Thank you.